This is episode 38 of the Higher Christian Life broadcast, and my name is Steve McCraney. So what do you want in your spiritual life? Or what areas are you struggling with spiritually at this time? Do you want to live a more God-fearing, holy, sanctified life? Do you want to pray in such a way that you believe God really hears your prayers and actually cares about what you care about? Do you need more power to be able to say no to the flesh, to temptation and sin and say yes to him? Do you need victory and deliverance with some areas in your life? Do you need more joy, more peace, more happiness in your walk with him? Whatever your need or whatever you desire, do you know the power you seek to accomplish those things is dwelling in you right now? at this very moment in you? Well, it's true. So let's explore that fact, see what it means, and learn more about this higher Christian life. Let's begin together, shall we? Yesterday, we showed how the Holy Spirit, who again now lives in you, is fully capable of meeting any need that you have. I mean, after all, he is fully God in every sense of the word. You might want to take a few minutes and look at a systematic theology book on what the Trinity is all about and notice that all members of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all equally God in every single aspect of God. So if that's true, it would stand to reason that as God, the Holy Spirit is all-powerful, he's omnipotent, he's all-knowing, omniscient, he's ever-present, omnipresent, among all the other attributes that we associate with the Almighty, with God the Father. Everything God the Father is, the Holy Spirit is. Everything Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is. Jesus says, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. I and my Father are one. What is the Father like? He's like the Son. Then Jesus says, I'm going to send you another helper, an allos helper in the Greek, a helper exactly like me after I'm raised and ascended into heaven. What is the Holy Spirit like? He's just like Jesus. So with the Holy Spirit living within you, whatever you need, I think an omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God can handle it. Don't you? Now, remember from yesterday, he is all that you need. So there's never any reason ever to look anywhere else for whatever your needs are, for self-worth or confidence or a purpose in your life or, or protection or healing or deliverance or power or love or acceptance or anything that we try to venture outside of what we already have to try to satisfy in our life. All the other issues that we struggle with to keep us up late at night worrying about things, he can handle all of those because he is God who lives in you and he is all you need. Only God can meet our deepest needs and he meets them in himself by simply being who he is, by letting his nature live in us. And who is the person who lives in us? The Holy Spirit. Now, we know that, but often we say, oh, and I know I know, he can meet all my needs. I understand the sovereignty of God, but how exactly does he do that? How does he give me peace 
and patience and long-suffering and belonging and self-worth? And what specific needs does he really fulfill? Does he fulfill just my material needs or my emotional needs? Does he not only deal with the cravings of my flesh, or does he also deal with the longings of my soul? Well, let's just take today and just look at a few of the needs that are met by the Holy Spirit before we move on tomorrow to truth number three. First one is holiness. That's a scary word, holiness. Let me ask you a question. Do you need to find the key to living a life of holiness or sanctification before the Lord? Do you find yourself, every time you try to live a holy life, the things that I don't want to do, I do, the things that I want to do, I don't, do you find yourself falling flat on your face again and again every single time you try and fail? If so, that's no surprise, because the only one who can live a life of holiness through you or in you is the one whose primary attribute is holiness. And that is the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about it. He could have been known by many different names. The merciful spirit, the loving spirit, the long-suffering spirit, the gracious spirit. But he's not. He is the Holy Spirit or the spirit of holiness, as in the one who's primarily defined as holy. Because that's what God is. If you remember in Isaiah, when he's taken up into heaven and he sees the throne and the four living creatures and what they're crying out before the Lord day and night is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Not merciful grace and loving kindness, but holy, holy, holy. Fast forward to the last book of the Bible. In the book of Revelation, we have John carried up into heaven. He sees the same scene, the four living creatures, and what they cry out day and night is holy, holy, holy holy. The holiness of the God now lives in you and the person of the Holy Spirit. Which means this, that when you yield your life to him and surrender and allow him to live his life through you, which again is the entire definition and the way to experience the higher Christian life, you will find his presence, his holiness rubbing off on every area of your life. And the result is you'll become more like him. You'll become holy. If you remember in the Old Testament, Moses would go into the the tent of meeting and he would meet with God and the Shekinah glory would come upon the tent and the people outside were frightened. And then when Moses would come out, his face would glow with like this residual glory of being in God's presence, so much so that he would have to put a veil over his face because it frightened the people because God's presence rubbed off on him. And when you surrender your life to God, person of the Holy Spirit living in you, the Holy Spirit, his holiness will also rub off on you in every area of your life, and you will become like him. Do you need to find holiness in your living? The only one that can do that is the one whose attribute is holiness. And he already lives in you. How about this one? How about power over sin in your life? Do you feel somewhat powerless 
to stand against the attack of the evil one and the lusting of your own flesh? Again, there's no surprise here. That's what life is like when you're light living in darkness. The Christian life is always a battle. There's always conflict. There's always a a war going on. But this battle is not fought in the flesh. It's not fought by human means. It can never be won that way. Remember truth one, that there's nothing you can do in the flesh to please God or produce anything of value or anything good in his sight because your flesh is still intertwined with your sinful nature. But the battle over sin and temptation is fought in the Spirit and by the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That's why we're given spiritual armor in Ephesians chapter 6, and we're fighting the forces of evil. It talks about in the same chapter. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the demonic forces of evil in the heavenly places. So consider this verse. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. And here's what it says. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against the flesh. There's walking and there's fighting. And even though we may walk in the flesh, we don't fight that way. Even though we're simply flesh and blood on the outside, we are mighty in God on the inside because he lives in us. In fact, the scripture says that we no longer belong to ourselves because his presence living in us, the Holy Spirit in us, has literally turned us into a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. That's a quote from 1 Corinthians 9, 19. So when we rely on his spirit, we become powerful weapons in the hand of a mighty God that brings fear into the quaking heart of the evil one. And it happens every single time we yield ourselves to a force greater than us. Let's continue in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, They're not of the flesh, but they are mighty. That means they're able, strong, and powerful. They are mighty, not in and of ourselves, but mighty in God for the pulling down, the casting down, the demolishing of stronghold or satanic fortresses. And it's done so by casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought, remember the spiritual armor, the helmet of salvation. Spiritual battles are fought in the spirit and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit now living in you, there's no need to ever fear, defeat. If you need the power to stand against temptation, you need to know that you already possess all the power you need. He's already there. He's not going anywhere. So rest easy because the Holy Spirit lives in you. But there's more. We'll look at one more for today. I have a need for Christ to become real to me, which is, of course, what the higher Christian life is all about. If I have a need for Christ to become real to me, to become more than, I don't know, a distant relative or some historical biblical figure that I just read about in the Bible, the person who is delegated to make that happen is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given to us to replace Jesus in our lives. 
That's John 14, 16, because he doesn't stand beside us or around us or near us like Jesus did his disciples, because he lives in us. Think about it. When Jesus walked on the earth, he was clothed in human flesh so he could be a perfect sacrifice, a perfect atoning sacrifice, tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin. But he was also limited to time and space. If he was in Jerusalem, he wasn't in Nazareth. And if you happened to be in Caesarea Philippi and he was somewhere in the wilderness, you were not with Jesus. And the only way you could be with Jesus is to be physically with him, to be close enough to hear what he says. And this is where it gets exciting. Before departing and leaving them, Jesus promised his disciples that he would not leave them as orphans, but said that he would come to them. Now, he showed up after the resurrection and hung with them for 40-something days, but that's not what we're talking about here. And he is coming back again when he sets things straight on the earth at the second coming of Christ. But in the meantime, we feel like orphans. But he gave us something that he considered even better. That promise that he wouldn't leave us as orphans, but he would come to us, was following a promise he gave before, where Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would come and dwell with us and be in us. You can read all about that in John 14. In other words, since Jesus was departing from them and his disciples were obviously sad and worried, Jesus then promised to replace himself in their lives with the Holy Spirit, someone who is not confined to time and space, someone who would be with you if you were in Capernaum and be with your wife if she was down the street. And then Jesus went on to say in John 16 that it was actually better for them and better for us that he did depart because once he departed, limited to time and space, he sent the paraclete, the comforter, the Holy Spirit that will be in us forever, in all of us, no matter where we are 24-7. And that's a pretty big promise to claim that it's literally better for us that Jesus departs and sends the Holy Spirit. It must say a lot about the Spirit who lives in us. Remember, the Holy Spirit was tasked with revealing to us all about Jesus and bringing to our memory everything Jesus ever said or did. You can read about that in John 14, 26. And since that's true, the more we know the Spirit— the more we get to know Jesus, whom the Spirit will reveal. And the more we get to know Jesus, the more we know about the Father, whom the Son will reveal. And for us, this chain of getting to know the Godhead begins not with the Father and not with Jesus, but it begins with the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Our surrendering our lives to him so he can live through us is what brings that knowledge. Surrendering to the Holy Spirit is the essence of the higher Christian life. One last thought before we finish this up and move on to truth three. The Apostle Paul said that the one who reveals to us all God has promised to those who love him, yes, to you and me, is not Jesus but it's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. It's the one living in each of us who shows us how blessed we are. I'm going to close by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 9. And here's what that verse says. I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. 
So if I haven't seen it and nobody's told me about it, and I can't even imagine in my heart, then how will we know everything God has prepared for us? Verses 10 through 12. But God has revealed them to us, how? Through his spirit, by the way, who lives in you. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit who lives in me knows the deep things of the Father. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except who? The Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit which is from God. And what's one of the reasons why? He continues, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You might want to read that passage again. I mean, how can it get any better than this? What do you need that you don't already have? How incomplete do you think you are when the Bible says that we are complete in him and he lives in us? You know, whatever your prayer or your need or your request or your desire or what you're worried about, whatever it is that keeps you up at night, Christ has already pre-positioned, pre-planned the answer to your problem, your desire, your longing in the Holy Spirit who lives in you. His resources are inexhaustible. All you will ever need, you already have in him. So what in the world is there to worry about? What need do you have that is so great God is unable to handle it? Well, none. What joy and happiness do you crave that he can't provide? None. And he lives in you. So rejoice for what you already have in him and rest easy as our world continues to get darker. Hope this has been a blessing to you. We'll talk again tomorrow as we look at Truth 3. Until then.